0: This is the second part of a two-part series about the Holy Spirit in connection with our ministries, a chapter from Charles Spurgeon's book titled Lectures to My Students. Regarding the help of the Holy Spirit in connection to our ministries and how preachers need the blessing of God in their ministries, Spurgeon comes to this subject uh, along two lines. One of those is by answering the question, in what ways do we need the Spirit's help? And secondly, by answering the question, how can preachers lose the help of the Holy Spirit? In part one, I got through the first three ways that we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And in today's video, I'll get through the remaining five ways that the Holy Spirit helps us. And we'll also see how preachers can lose that blessing. So let's get right into it. The fourth way that we need the help of the Holy Spirit in our ministries is we need him to act like that spiritual anointing oil in our preaching. And what Spurgeon means by that is we don't only need the Spirit's help in our study and in our sermon preparation, but we also need the Spirit's help in how we think and in how we feel as we preach. As he puts it, we need a spirit of devotion while we preach and how easy it is to de- to get distracted in our preaching with everything but the primary goal of the sermon, which is to glorify God, to Uh, edify his people, and to evangelize the sinner. But our minds can get off, our feelings can grow cold, and we need that spirit of devotion that only the Spirit of God can bring while we preach. Here's how Spurgeon explains that. We need the Spirit of God then, all through the sermon, to keep our hearts and minds in a proper condition. For if we have not the right spirit, we shall lose the tone which persuades and prevails, And our people will discover that Samson's strength has departed from him. Some speak scoldingly and so betray their bad temper. Others preach themselves and so reveal their pride. To avoid errors of manners and tone, we must be led of the Holy Spirit, who alone teacheth us to profit. Number five, we need the help of the Holy Spirit for there to be an actual effect of our gospel preaching. That is, we cannot argue people into the faith. We cannot entertain them into a saving relationship with Christ. We cannot threaten them until they come to know the Lord. All we can do is preach the gospel and pray that God will do what only He can do in the heart of sinners. He must convince them that they must be saved. Without the help of the Holy Spirit in this, we will see no true conversions to the faith. Spurgeon explains it like this. Miracles of grace must be the seals of our ministry. Who can bestow them but the Spirit of God? Convert a soul without the Spirit of God? Why, you cannot even make a fly, much less create a new heart and a right spirit? Lead the children of God to a higher life without the Holy Ghost? You are inexpressibly more likely to conduct them into carnal security if you attempt their elevation by any method of your own. Our ends can never be gained if we miss the cooperation of the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, with strong crying and tears, wait upon Him from day to day. Oh, how desperately we need the help of the Holy Spirit in gospel preaching. If we have not the Spirit of God's help in our gospel preaching, whatever fruit we see in the ministry is no fruit at all, but just wood, hay and stubble. God give us the Spirit's help, so that we can see true conversions, and so that those who are brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will continue in the apostles' doctrine. And Number six, we need the help of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of supplications. We know that the Bible has promised that as God's people pray, that God's Spirit prays with them, and how we need this intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit, so that when we are praying, God's Spirit is with us before the throne of God, interceding for God's preachers and God's people. We desperately need this in our ministries. Spurgeon puts it this way, Abundant prayer must go with earnest preaching. We cannot be always on the knees of the body, but the soul should never leave the posture of devotion. The habit of prayer is good, but the spirit of prayer is better. Regular retirement is to be maintained, but continued communion with God is to be our aim. As a rule, we ministers ought never to be many minutes without actually lifting up our hearts in prayer. Some of us could honestly say that we are seldom a quarter of an hour without speaking to God, and that not as a duty, but as an instinct, a habit of the new nature for which we claim no more credit than a babe does for crying after its mother. Number seven, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to help us live a holy life. As God's preachers, we must be holy in our conduct, in our thinking, in every facet of who we are. We cannot do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. Spurgeon explains, A very considerable and essential part of Christian ministry lies in example. Our people take much note of what we say out of the pulpit and what we do in the social circle and elsewhere. Do you find it easy, my brethren, to be saints? Such saints that others may regard you as examples? If you are to walk in all holiness and purity, as becometh ministers of the gospel, you must be daily baptized into the Spirit of God. I've heard some young men recoil from the thought of ministry because they say they could never live a holy life that is required of those who are in the ministry. And the truth of the matter is, That is true for everybody. It is impossible to live a holy life apart from the Spirit of God. How desperately we need the Spirit of God in our ministries and in our conduct as we live. Number eight, we need the help of the Holy Spirit as a spirit of discernment. In pastoral ministry, we deal with people and we deal with people problems. And people are so unique one from another and people are so different themselves from day to day that we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to know how to rebuke, to counsel, to encourage. The Lord must show us what to do. Spurgeon explains, Whatever our tenderness of heart or loving anxiety, we shall not know how to deal with the vast variety of cases unless the Spirit of God shall direct us. For no two individuals are alike, and even the same case will require different treatment at different times. At one period it may be best to console, at another to rebuke, and the person with whom you sympathized even to tears today may need that you confront him with a frown tomorrow for trifling with the consolation which you presented. Those who bind up the brokenhearted and set free the captives must have the spirit of the Lord upon them. Now there's no guarantee that if the spirit of God is upon us, that those whom we counsel and encourage or rebuke will receive our counsel. But we know that if the Spirit of God is with us, whatever rejection we may receive, whatever stubborn hearts our counsel may fall upon, at least it's not because we have given them counsel in a fleshly manner instead of a spirit-led manner. So those are the ways that the Spirit of God is needed in preaching ministry. There are more than eight ways, I'm sure. But those are the eight ways that Spurgeon shared in this chapter. And now he answers the question how does a preacher lose that blessed assistance of the Holy Spirit? Well, you could probably guess it's through sin, through sin of commission, through sin of omission. Spurgeon says it this way Brethren, what are those evils which will grieve the Spirit? I answer, anything that would have disqualified you as an ordinary Christian for communion with God also disqualifies you for feeling the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit as a minister. Spurgeon goes on to list several ways that God's preachers can grieve the Holy Spirit and not lose their salvation, but lose the assistance of the Holy Spirit in their ministry. And those sins are many, but some of the more common ones are pride, Insincerity, and yes, you guessed it, prayerlessness. Spurgeon closes this chapter with several examples from the Bible of men whom the Spirit of God has left, and because of his departure, these men descend into examples of spiritual tragedy. Men like Saul, men like Samson. Spurgeon gives examples of false prophets like Balaam. My brothers, we do not want to be like these men. We do not want to be like Saul, whom the Spirit of God left and instead an evil spirit came. Spurgeon expresses this sober truth with these words. Remember that God has come unto us, not to exalt us, but to exalt himself. And we must see to it that his glory is the one sole object of all that we do. He must increase and I must decrease. Oh, may God bring us to this and make us walk very carefully and humbly before him. God will search us and try us, for judgment begins at his house, and in that house it begins with his ministers. Will any of us be found wanting? Brothers, you know, there is no more blessed place to be than behind the pulpit when the Spirit of God is blessing the preaching. And there is no more tragic person than a God called preacher whose ministry God has abandoned. Pray to God that by His grace, we will always have the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Brothers, I will pray for you, and I hope that you will pray for me. And may God bless us and help us this Lord's day as we preach His word to His people for His glory. Amen.